0: In today's episode, I speak with Stephanie Olson, CEO of We Are Rosie. We talk about the fast growth of her amazing organization, the inspiring purpose behind it, and where she's taking it next. We dive into how we both bring purpose to life in our businesses, which if you know me, you know that's one of my favorite topics. I hope this one inspires you to find ways to bring purpose into your company and honestly into your life. Thanks for checking it out. All right. I am so excited today to have um, just an amazing leader um, and friend, and I think social advocate. We'll get into it. Um, Stephanie Olson. Stephanie, tell everybody who you are and what you do.
1: Hi, everyone. I am the founder of We Are Rosie, which is a flexible talent solution for modern marketers. And I have uh, started the company about three years ago now.
0: Three years ago. I remember... When we met at um, Dragon Army's last office, we sat out on the deck that used to be there Yep. and you had lots of ideas of things that you might do. That must have been, I mean, it was certainly before you started.
1: Yeah, it was right about three years ago, I think.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Was this the prevailing idea at the time?
1: It wasn't, you know, I like initially I was thinking that I was going to build an ad tech company because I've worked in ad tech my entire career and I thought that that could be done better. And I was like, man, I, that's what I'm going to go do. Um, and that was the prevailing idea, I think, when you and I first met.
0: And what happened? Like, how did you end up where you are now?
1: Yeah, I realized, you know, I quit my job without kind of a safety net to start a company and to go follow my dreams. And I think, I I was still kind of keeping one foot in my comfort zone by saying like, well, I should just stick with what I know um, even though ad tech never really resonated with me, which is why I quit my job in the first place, it felt it gave me some safety and security to be like, I'm gonna go build a business in that space because um, I know what it is, and I, I understand it. And then I think I just kind of got real with myself. Like, did I really just quit my job to like go back into something that doesn't light me up as a person? And then I went on this kind of journey around what does light me up as a person. I think sometimes we get on like this corporate hamster wheel and we're just like climbing the ladder and doing the things every day. And we don't take a minute to think what, what do I care about? Like, who am I as a person? Who am I outside of this job? And like, what resonates with me? So I, I definitely went through that process in determining what kind of business I was going to start.
0: And if I remember, you were pretty successful in your past business life. Yeah, um, and you stepped out. What did cause you to say, uh, "I can't take this anymore"? I've got to. And, and was it I got to do my own thing?
1: Yeah, it was. You know, it was a combination of things. I think I've always had an entrepreneurial spirit. You know, I tell people I bootstrapped my way through college. I had like four businesses that I had started, like side hustles. I had, you know, I worked as a waitress. I worked at a refrigeration company. Like, I've always had that kind of drive. Um, but right out of college, I got golden handcuffs like so many people do I went and worked for huge companies and was like making great money and it was really nice and it was um it was hard to walk away from that and I'll I'll say like it wasn't probably one moment it was definitely like um observing over the years, like the discomfort I had existing in that world, even though I was, you know, it was lucrative, and I was successful, and I was achieving, um, that it just wasn't really fulfilling for me at all. So I think it was all of that was kind of building up over the last 15 years. And it was really, probably the birth of my second daughter, that just I kind of looked around and thought, like, oh, my gosh, like, is this is this what I'm going to do with the rest of my life? Like, is this the legacy I'm going to leave my kids like trading misery for money? Um, mm. and I just said, no, I don't want to do that anymore.
0: I find it, um, incredibly brave. I'm, I'm going to call it brave. Um, <laughs> some might call it crazy yeah. um, that you, um, you know, a successful career family, and you jumped off that ledge. And I'll be honest, most of the conversations I have with people, like you three years ago when, you know, it's like, I'm trying to figure out what I want to do. It's so easy to fall back into, I'm sure you were getting offers for jobs. It's so easy to take one of those, but you stuck with it. And I find that really inspiring. And I think it should be inspiring for people who are, um, at that point in their life and they really want something more, but they're worried, um, about doing it. Your husband supported the idea or was he fighting? Yeah, <laughs>
1: my, yeah my husband, um, when I had took my last job, I was probably 2 weeks into that job when my husband was like, "What are you doing?" Like, is this like you like forget like why are you suffering? You know, like why are you on continuing this behavior? Like, you're unhappy and we've got, you know, these babies at home and there's stuff that matters so much more. And so he had actually been trying to convince me to quit my job for a full 18 months before I finally did. So I think he actually felt a big sense of relief like Certainly, you know, I, uh, there was a financial impact to our family and we had to change our lifestyle. And, you know, even to this day, we're still changing our lifestyle because um, it's startup life, but it was, I've never been happier, you know? And so I I realized like we had placed too much importance on money previously, right? Like the, the, the lies you tell yourself about what you need because you're actually unfulfilled internally.
0: Yes. I love that. I love that. And, and you, your business is doing incredibly well. We'll get to that. Um, you're three years in, are you broken now? Like I am, are you, it's entrepreneur or bust or could you see yourself going to work for a big corporation? Again?
1: Oh, I, I'm like unemployable. At
0: this point. <laughs> exactly. like,
1: like that's, yeah, this is, I'm, I'm damaged goods. Like mm-hmm. this is my life. This is the dream. I'm finally like in my zone of genius. And I can't imagine, um, going back,
0: I love it. Well, you described We Are Rosie at the top, but say say that sentence again. You're, You're a marketer. It's nice and tight. Say it again. Yeah.
1: We're a flexible talent solution for modern
0: marketers. And I know what that means, but what does that mean?
1: Yeah. So We Are Rosie acts as a conduit for marketers, whether they be brands or agencies to connect with several thousand independent marketers. And we provide kind of a safe, secure, predictable, reliable way for marketers to access um, independent talent that can handle nimble project-based work for them. And for the independent marketers, we provide a sense of belonging, camaraderie, community, while also really caring for them in a way that allows them to have both the life that they want outside of work and the career that they deserve.
0: I love that. Um, And it's, I mean, it's built for this day and age. I mean, right. The ability to be remote and to, um, bring people together through digital means through collaborative, but not in person. Um, so I I love that, but I, I, feel like I, you're, um, disrupting the industry that I'm in, quite frankly, the agency industry. And I love that. Um, it's, it's ripe for disruption when you started. Um, was this the idea? Has it changed over time?
1: It really hasn't changed. Like this was the vision, you know, uh, my, a little bit about my, my personal background, you know, I come from a refugee family. My father grew up in a refugee camp and I view all of the Rosies, we call them, our consultants. I view them as corporate refugees and I really wanted to build a place where they could be cared for and all of this talent that can sometimes be marginalized or underestimated or overlooked, which is people working independently by choice. Um, I wanted to really take good care of them, and I believed that if we took all of our focus and took care of the people doing the work, that they would do everything we needed them to do in terms of caring for our clients. And we have, you know, lived those values since day one, and we really haven't changed much at all. We've stayed the course.
0: That's amazing. And so, give me a give me an idea. Day one till today from a size perspective, like how many, how many independent um, consultants are you working with? How many brands or clients do you have? Give me some numbers.
1: I'll give you some numbers. So, um, the business started, I was the only, so we're, you know, three years ago, I started my entrepreneurial journey. We are Rosie was started about two and a half years ago. And when we are Rosie started, um, I was me and it was my nanny who I had convinced to work part-time on this crazy idea that I had. And this poor woman, she's now been sucked into the the startup abyss. She's here um, and is absolutely incredible. She was our first full-time hire. Um, And it was the two of us. And it was, you know, really, it was just a little bit over a year ago that we started hiring we now have 15 employees at We Are Rosie working full time. We keep about five people um, you know, eating our own food here. We have about five people, independent contractors that we use for our own burst capacity internally. So there's probably about 20 of us floating around. Um, we've done well over $10 million in revenue. We work with um, 70 clients um, and about 20 Fortune 500 brands.
0: Wow, and of those clients, some are agencies.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah, we work with forty five ad agencies um, and we work with all six holding companies
0: if did you write down at the beginning of this your goals over the next five, 10 years, like did you is this there's no way you predicted this much growth this fast, right?
1: I, so Jeff, I'm really competitive, like, <laughs> like I'm really competitive. So this is, we're actually like right on par with how, really? the, yeah, this is what I wanted. So I had, you know, my initial goal was that our first uh, full calendar year of business, I wanted us to do $5 million in revenue, we surpassed that. Um, even with COVID, um, we're still on track to hit our revenue goal for this year. So we're, we're headed in the right direction. But to your, to answer your question, I never wrote down goals. I kind of have them in my head, but, you know, I've never had a business plan, like a formal proper business plan. This business has like largely been built off of intuition, which drives planning people like totally nuts.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. But you, I mean, it's in your head and you feel it. And so, that you know, you don't need that. I think too many times um, people um, spend way too much time on that type of thing. It actually precludes them from, ac- from starting something because it's like, well, I haven't finished the business plan or I haven't nailed the name or whatever it is. Yeah. So it's, it's part of why, um, my blog is begin the begin. Cause it's like, just get started. You've got yeah. to go. Um, and you haven't needed it. That's, yeah, that's pretty awesome. Yes. Um, so as you think about, um, your, your team, which, which I've, and and you can correct me. I know you said 15 to 20 kind of on the team, but then you've got your broader Rosie. Right. And so that's a much bigger group. Um, what, what are you doing to, to, you said you sort of create a community for them, right? And, um, how are you doing that? How are you bringing that to life?
1: Yeah um, we had asked this so much, and I love this question. I actually just had this conversation earlier today. So there's now about 5,500 people in the Rosie community who have raised their hand and said, "I want to work independently." So
0: 5500, that's incredible With All now, along the uh, um,
1: Long than U.S, we are expanding globally coming up. You're the first to know.
0: Exciting.
1: Yeah. Um, So with 5,500 people, you know, people are like, what, how do you, how do you, what's the glue that holds this community together? Because it is so different than a traditional place of work. And I think there's a few things that we've done to really create that community. One of them is we um, espouse and live our values very loudly. Like everything that, everything that represents the, we are Rosie brand is about, um, who we are, what we care about and how we want to care for the people doing the work and how we believe in this like revolutionary way of making work happen. So we automatically kind of attract people that are aligned with those values and ethos. Um, so we're already kind of bound right by that. And then some of the other ways that we've really tried to build that human connection is like, we're not a tech company. We're building tech, um, Tech simply to um, make our processes more efficiently, but like we will never have robots choosing people for projects. It will always be done by hand and by our core team. So we build connections with with our Rosies um, by actually talking to them and having video calls with them. And we before COVID we were doing in person meetups and connecting Rosies in different markets. Um, it looks a little bit different now. We've built an online community for everyone in the Rosie community to go and share ideas. Um, Our Rosies that are actively on projects are on our Slack. Um, So we connect with them that way. Um, And then we also, we're launching a mentorship program. So you can raise your hand inside the Rosie community. And whether you say, I just want a buddy that like even has similar experience to me or complimentary experience, or like maybe you know a lot about media, but you don't know anything about Creative, and you just want to expand your knowledge set. So, we're working on connecting people through like skills swapping and mentorship and kind of like a buddy program. Um, We're also looking into um, providing upskilling opportunities for our Rosies. So, we're constantly looking for ways to give um, the people that we get to the privilege of serving within the Rosie community. We want to give them all the great things that people love about traditional employment, but the freedom and flexibility. To work in a way that makes sense for their lives, and that's kind of enough, right? Like we find that when you just meet people where they are and you treat them with dignity and respect, and you really care about them, which is part of our core values. Like you don't need um, a booze cruise or a pool table. Like it's just that's that's what binds us.
0: Yeah, and, and that's that's something I really want to um, talk about for a second because you know, as as we were thrust into um, this quarantined uh, state. And I've always been someone who worked really hard to build a culture where people love working there and and the team atmosphere. Um, and so I've, I've never really been confident enough to embrace more of a remote workforce. Um, over the last year, we actually started to do Friday work from home um, because we did it during the summer. People loved it and it turned out to be great. Um, but we still had our four days where people were building relationships in person. Um, obviously, now we're all about Zoom and Google Meet and Slack. Um, what did, would you push me to embrace more of that? Or would you push me to say, you know, your business is not like mine, when things come back to normal, probably go back to the office?
1: Yeah. I mean, I really think that the future is a hybrid environment, but truly kind of removing the desire to control people through saying, like, we all have to work in, in office, but saying like you can work in a way that makes sense for your life. And I think that this kind of fluidity between like, maybe I want to come into the office two days a week or maybe – and summer, when my kids are home, I want to go into the office, but you know, I want to work from home otherwise. I think that's the future. And I think we have the technology to enable it. We now have all these like crazy uh, ways of arranging leases and office space that will accommodate it. And I think it's an absolute necessity. And I will push you on it, Jeff, because I think that it's a form of inclusion. There are certain people, and we've learned this a lot through the We Are Rosie community, there are certain people who absolutely can't Um, or simply don't want to, and that's a valid as well, go into an office. And for some of the reasons that we've seen in our own Rosie community is that they're caring for um, a loved one who's sick, right? I talked to a woman today who left a CMO job um, to go independent because her father had pancreatic cancer and she wanted to be with him for his chemo treatments. So she needed to be at his house and caregiving for him, but still has a ton to offer, right? And there are people in our the Rosie community who are transitioning genders. There are people who have anxiety and just can't handle kind of the noise of an in-office environment. So I've been pushing our own clients and our the broader kind of We Are Rosie community and the advertising community to really recognize that remote work is a form of inclusion. Um, and you're, not, you're able to access talent that you wouldn't have access to otherwise.
0: I love that. And you're so right. You're so right. Um, especially... If your if your company in our case agency is is you know in a city it can be very hard for for people to get there and if you're trying to be more inclusive um, and more equitable y- you have to think of things like this um, so I love that and and that's been an inspiration for me as I've seen you grow and seen how successful you've been and I know that you're building this really unique and amazing culture it's pushed me to, to really rethink how I've thought about what it means to run a company and what a company is. Um, so I, I really appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, as you think about, um, the next three or so years, what, what are the big things that you're maybe as a business trying to accomplish? Um, bit, big sort of milestones that, you know, obviously international is going to be an interesting thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then within that, I'm curious, What's, what's a bigger challenge for you finding more rosies out there, or is it finding more clients? Um, is it changing the perception or their clients? I'm sure there's many clients that say, no, nah, it doesn't work. I need full-time people at a place, you know, but, I, but I'm sure that's changing. So talk talk to me about the next several years and how you see the business shaping. Yeah.
1: Yeah, this is fun. I mean, there are some big things that I know we want to accomplish in the next, you know, three years, I'll say, right? Going global is one of them. Um, And there's a few reasons for this. And we're actually probably not going to do it in the most traditional sense, right? Um, so we where we would just say, oh, we're going to the UK or we're going to Singapore because are, these are big markets for advertising. The way that we're considering going global is actually around where are the markets where there is talent that is in need. Um so we're looking at things going back to my my refugee roots um, within my own family. But how can we expand globally into war-torn countries where people absolutely need work and they need access to opportunity? Because when I think about We Are Rosie at its core, we are in the business of redistributing wealth, opportunity, power, and access. And there are um, people living in places right now that are the last on that list, right? And so I try to think about how we can expand globally in a really thoughtful, meaningful way. To connect that rich marketing talent and creative talent with access to opportunity, whether it's for US based companies or companies based abroad. Um, that's one thing that's really interesting for me. Um, another is really becoming the de facto flexible talent solution for marketers. And this requires a lot of behavior change, as you can imagine. Um, and when I when I talk to our CMO partners, I say there's certain work that you can and should send to ad agencies. There's certain work that you can and should send to consultancies. Um, and there's work that you should do with full-time employees. But when you're doing your annual planning, I want you to be thinking instinctively and as part of your process, what work it makes sense for a flexible talent solution for We Are Rosie to come in and handle for us. So I really want us to be to become part of the the standard process for how marketing gets done. I really want us to to scale, right? Like I want to put uh, ten thousand people to work working in this capacity. So, you know, scaling the business is, um, is not just a financial incentive for us because literally the bigger our business gets, the more lives we're able to impact. So it's also a measure of the number of people that we are able to put to work in a way that makes sense for their lives. So those are kind of the big the big things. Of course, we're always looking for unique partnerships, um, for it, but really in service of those first two goals. Like how do we use this business as a mechanism for redistributing wealth and opportunity or creating wealth and opportunity for underserved groups of people? And um and how do we put more people to work?
0: It's a wonderful vision. I love it so much. Um, and it's just So seems like what the world needs um, and certainly our industry needs, you know, one of the things that I'm working on is um, we've made a commitment as a company to um, because we're in Atlanta to model the diversity of our team to that of the city. And we're way, way off, um, way, way off. And pretty much every agency is. Um, But what you're talking about really flips that on its head. And and it really lends power to this ability to um, include so many more people. Um, And so I just love that. Um,
1: I think Jeff, like you've always been someone I've really admired for like stepping up and owning it and questioning the things that we take for granted. And I think I found a lot of inspiration in the way that you run your businesses as well. And I think it's, we have an incredible opportunity right now to really reconsider things that we've taken for granted, you know, like this, This idea that um, inclusion is just about hiring, you know, people on your core team that are representative of the broader environment is an amazing first step. But how much faster can you do that if you're opening up your talent pool to the entire U.S., right? And people that maybe can't afford to live in Atlanta or, you know, people that didn't go to college. Like, what are the broader kind of ways that we can reconsider how we're hiring and employing
0: Talent. I love that. Yep, so spot on. Another thing that you're doing that I really, really respect and admire is um, you're not afraid. You know, you, you're now um, representing. We are Rosie. Um, you know, if you if you speak out, you're attached, right? It's, it's your business. Um, and I know lots of leaders in similar situations that therefore are incredibly hesitant to um, take a stand on any sort of social issue. Um, because they're worried that somebody may not come work for them or a a business may not want to be their client. You don't seem very worried about that. Um, you're very vocal and passionate and, and I love it. Um, talk to me about, has that always been something you've been comfortable with? Why are you comfortable with it? Um, I'd love to yeah. hear more.
1: It's been an evolution for me, certainly. I mean, if I'm being honest and I look back at my childhood, kind of being raised by a brown Muslim immigrant, like I had some shame about that. You know, I grew up in a white community and I I didn't want people to even know that I was Palestinian because that's controversial in and of itself. And I think I, it's certainly been an evolution, but I think something kind of switched with me when I... Um, took this, you know, courageous and crazy step of quitting my job with two small children at home to start this business that like, if I'm going to do this, Uh, I am going to live my best life. And I'm going to be true to myself. And I'm going to own who I am and the things that I care about. Because otherwise, what's the point? Like, I don't want to rebuild a prison inside my own company, um, which I built to escape the prison of working for other people. So I think I've gotten more comfortable with it um, over time, certainly. And I think also like I am such a firm believer in the idea of resonance. Like when you put energy out there, uh, other similar energy or people or um, ideas are going to kind of come your way and help grow your vision. And so to me, it also goes back to like, you have to stand for something or you stand for nothing. And I'm okay with us not being everybody's cup of tea. Like I'm okay with people saying like, I don't want to work with Stephanie because I have to put I have to lay my head down at night and know that I have lived my life authentically and that I've created an opportunity for me to live my greatest form of creative expression whether that's through activism or how we run the business.
0: Yeah, I love that. Um and so so you don't subscribe to the Aaron Burr philosophy of of not standing for anything. You've been watching Hamilton?
1: Um I have not watched Hamilton. What? Yes, I know. Jeff, I work twenty hours a day. <laughs> you,
0: almost, you almost quoted a very famous line in Hamilton just then.
1: <laughs> I'll I'll have to Google it after that. you
0: book. have to. Yeah, <laughs>
1: I'll,
0: I'll send you the link. You're the only person uh, who needs to get that link. Um, but it's a principle of uh, in the in the in the musical. But basically, Alexander Hamilton is debating Aaron Burr, and Aaron Burr's like, you know, look, don't ruffle any feathers. You know, don't really let people know what you stand for. And Hamilton's like, if if you're not going to let people know what you stand for, you know, you'll fall for anything. And you know, and I think that's, I think it's really interesting how you've um, expressed that because it's it is woven into what you're building at We Are Rosie. And I don't I don't say this to many people, the world needs what you've created. And I think that's what's so awesome and inspiring. Like when I first heard about what you were doing and you told me the business uh, how it was forming. The idea of disrupting this industry, I love, it needs disruption. Um, the idea of um, creating a more nimble and agile type of company, um, that's really interesting because that's a struggle with, a, with an agency. But what you're doing with inclusion and um, connecting people who otherwise wouldn't be and, and creating um, opportunities. Um, I think it's, I think it's phenomenal. So I'm really, really impressed. And I'm, I'm going to consider myself your biggest fan here.
1: Thank you. Likewise, Jeff. I mean, you believed in this business from the day one and that was, that's not lost on me. I mean, it's really meaningful.
0: Well, I appreciate that. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you, you, whatever you were going to do, I was going to, going to be a fan. Um, talk to me for just a second about your first three years of being an entrepreneur. Um, are there a couple of now fully formed, like, Um, I don't know. Part of your ethos of how to build a business or how to run a team, or like, tell me about your philosophy around leadership or entrepreneurship. Now,
1: yeah. I I feel like part of me feels like I've gotten an MBA in the last few years, you know, like I went to Georgia Tech, like was going to be an engineer and I feel like, oh my gosh, I've just been drinking from the fire hose. So I think, you know, a couple of things that I've learned is that you always want to have people around you who will tell you the truth and you want to create the space for them to do that. Um, so even though this business is like, I, I tell people it's like my third child. Um, if, if something is ugly about my child, I want to know about it. And I want to surround myself with people that I respect and trust and also empower them and make sure that they feel like they can, they can share that. Um, I think it's also really important, you know, at the same time to like take that feedback. Um, But there's also certain times in leadership and in entrepreneurship where you need to put blinders on because if you're paying attention to everything and you're absorbing everything that people want you to pay attention to, whether that's meet this person or read this book or take this idea, at a certain point, you just have to be comfortable enough with yourself as a leader and as a visionary to, to figure out like, what is going to um, make the biggest impact? Because our our most precious resource is our time, um, so that's certainly something that I've learned. Um, as as far as building teams goes, you know this goes back to also living our values and speaking loudly about the things that we believe in, because it's allowed us to attract people that share those values to join our team, which has been such a gift, right? And I would imagine if we were like this very kind of milk toast company, it'd be harder to like find people that really cared about what we were doing. Um, and so I really think that like living in your values and being loud about the things that you care about and being willing to alienate potentially some people or some clients is okay. And to get really comfortable with that. Um, there's so many lessons. I mean... One of my advisors, Nancy Hill, says, um, Steph, you can do anything, but you can't do everything. Mm, I'm like, oh, man, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because especially when you're there and you have this macro yeah. kind of visionary view, you're like, we could do this and we could do that. But at a certain point, yeah. you want to make sure you're focusing on the things that you're really good at and being willing to sacrifice to, to stay really good at those things.
0: Have you Have you gotten good at, or maybe you always were at delegating?
1: Yeah, I'm getting better. You know, like I will say, I am a perfectionist. I am a type A person. Like, you know, part of my healing and that journey is that I recognize that that's who I am. Um, But I have hired people smarter than me.
0: Like,
1: Mm -hmm. They've made it really easy, right? Like, so um, that has certainly helped with building the trust and like growing the team because it's really crazy to go from oh my gosh, it's just me and one other person who's working part-time to all of a sudden there's 10 people. And to even retrain your brain to be like, oh, I don't have to do this anymore. Like this is something that somebody else is better suited for. They'll do it faster and better than I can. But it's like muscle memory to be like, oh yeah, here you go. Like, can you handle this? And, and of course they always do, but you have to like retrain yourself.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I find too, like, and again you might have been um you might have had a lot of autonomy in your previous roles but but today there's no one telling you what to do every day and so you can you can get lost in the number of things that you can do right and so continuously going all right w- what can only i do to bring to move this business forward right and and what are things that i'm holding on to that actually would give other people a chance to grow and they might to your point do it better than i yeah. i think that's also something i see probably you're pretty good at because a lot of businesses, I, I see stall around that five, 10, 15 person um, size because their their leader can't accept that or let it go and really find that focus. Are you finding that focus? And if so, what is what are the two or three things that if you're not spending your time on them, then you, then you're not spending your time well?
1: Yeah. I mean, I am definitely like part of my goal and part of the goals of my leadership team are to get me closer towards spending more time in strategic vision work. Um, And so the things that are, I'm uniquely suited for are kind of having this around the corner vision of the business, right? Like, what are the other ways that we can support the Rosie community? What are the other ways that our clients are going to need our support coming down from a really macro level that can trickle down into all the different areas of our business? So I would say like strategic vision, this five-year plan um, is really important um, in terms of how I'm spending my time and you know, really just improving as a leader. Like That is a huge focus for me. I tell people all the time like... Um, entrepreneurship for me has been a very spiritual journey. Like I I wasn't a religious person before I started this business. And like, I am now and like, it has been um, an interesting process for me to really get in touch with who I am and my own belief system, including limiting beliefs that I have around myself. And so I think that the, probably the best work that I can do for this business in a lot of instances is improving how I show up as a leader and making sure that I'm always pushing myself to do better and to support the team and hold space for them to go work their magic as
0: well. I love it. Yeah, that's exactly, exactly where I'm at. Um, the goal now is continuously try to be a better leader. And then with my leadership team, um, how am I helping them grow as leaders, giving them opportunity to do that, you know. So, like one of our leaders is uh, fantastic at client relationships, and that's what she owns. But she rarely gets an opportunity unless I'm providing that for her to actually grow in leadership, right? She's getting better every day at managing client relationships. But as you know, leadership is a different thing. And so the more you focus on that, you know, the more that you'll be better at that part of it,
1: yeah, it's hard work. You know, for me, I had only ever led a team for about eight months. Before I started this company. So it's not like I have decades of leadership. You know, I had led as an executive, but really, you know, not having a bunch of um, direct reports. And so it's been, that has certainly been something that I've really had to work hard on and will be a continuous evolution and something like that. That job is never done, you know?
0: Totally. Are you Are you reading books, or are you just experiencing? What are you doing to get to get better at leadership?
1: Yeah. So I have some really incredible mentors that are um, like really excel in that area, and I've stood up an advisory board that is full of industry leaders and people that have led massive organizations. Um, and then, really, for me, leadership has been. You know, I'm again like I'm all about like what resonates with me and. Um, reading is something that I would love to do, but like, it's just not something that resonates with me at the end of like a 16 hour day. And so, but the things that do are working on my spiritual practice. Right. And so meditating, like I've gotten really into like, um, astronomy, like I want to know our place in the world. Like I want to (laughs) know like where we fit in.
0: Wow. And you're meditating. Yeah. I've never, I've just, I've tried so many times. I cannot do it. I used to
1: not be able to do it, Jeff. I used to be like, I can't quiet my brain like that. But I actually work with a business coach that does guided meditation. So she was a former CMO turned Reiki master. um, And she does guided meditations for me. And um, it's changed my life. So she has helped me really develop that practice.
0: And you love it.
1: I'm so into it. (laughs) <laughs> I'm so into it. I'm like, I'm a different person. I don't drink coffee anymore. I don't drink anymore. Like it is really I meditation. I, I think that's a part of
0: or, it. Or several things. Yeah. yeah. That's incredible. I, I'm certain it's great for you. Yeah. I like yoga. Like I'm into yoga now. Um, never was before, but now that I do it, I love it. It's changed my life. Yeah. Um, and there's a little bit of meditation. It that is meditation. Before. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I hats off to you for, <laughs> for being able to do it. Cause I think you're like, you're driven. And and I think for driven people, meditation can be hard.
1: Yeah, for sure. But I think everybody's got to find their thing, you know? Like yeah. like reading is probably like meditation for you and to a certain extent, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, so everyone's gotta figure out what works for them.
0: Let me talk to you for a second um before I let you go about um uh raising a family while um also running a company. Um, I don't know if you were this way before, um, but I know that because I've been an entrepreneur since, you know, college, I've never not been able to have it on my mind. Um, because like you said, it's like another child. I mean, it's a thing that you, I'm putting this in quotes birthed. It's like you created this thing and you love it. It's different than other jobs because you think about it all the time. And it's taken me a long time to, and I'm still not amazing at it, but like To turn that off at times, and to not be somewhere else while I'm with my family. Um, How have you found that um, over these last three years? Is it different? Is it the same? Um, Are you good at it?
1: Yeah, um, that's a really good question. I'll say when I decided to start this company, I sat down with my husband. And he knows that I'm incredibly type A. And we had a conversation because I said, if I'm going to do this, um, this is not a lifestyle business. This is not a hobby business. Like we are swinging for the fences and it's going to take a lot of time and energy. And he, you know, I'm a very committed person and I love working. Like I love it. Like I would rather work than go for a run. Like it is my thing. Um, And he said, Steph, I've got you go. Like I and I was like, give me two years. Give me two. I said, give me two years to get this thing going to where I can breathe. Um, Two years wasn't enough, but you know that was a good guess. And he was like, yeah, go for it, and I will handle doctors' appointments and dentist appointments and school things. And he stepped up and has been the most incredibly supportive partner and. One of the things I talk about a lot is that um, our family and the family members of other startup employees of my team—they're stakeholders in our business. Um, they share in the sacrifice that we're all making to chase our dream. Um, particularly for us as a bootstrapped business, like every dime we make goes back into the business so that we can grow and stay independent. And um, you know, for me personally, it's not always it's not always perfect, Jeff. So if I'm being entirely honest, like I'm not good at turning it off. I, I work like 15 hours most days. Uh, I like it. Like, it's not like, oh, that's a bummer. It's like, no, I'm into it. Like, I wish I could work 24 hours a day. (laughs) Um, And so, you know, I'm not great at always turning it off. I try to have pockets of time where I'm really present with my family and, and know, phone, but it's not, it's not easy. Like it's, Mm -hmm. you know, I am always thinking about the business and growing it and it is my sole purpose. So it is hard to turn it off.
0: And and it's, I mean, look, it's so rewarding and fulfilling to have that. Um, I just know like, um, for me, it, it has been hard to turn it off. Um, but I'm sure, I'm sure you're, you're better at it than you say, but, um, it's great that you, your husband is your partner on this. And I feel the same way when I, um, we had our first child, uh, my wife, um, so he's 15 now. Uh, my wife, um, decided to stay home and she had a career and, you know, gotten her master's in psychology and, um, but decided to stay home to allow me to go after the business as well. Yeah. Uh, that's such a gift, um, to have that sort of support.
1: They are stakeholders, a hundred percent. I mean, it yeah. is. It's intense, but yeah, it's, you know, we're, we're, we're getting better time, time as time passes and it'll just like everything else, it'll be an evolution, but it is pretty cool because my kids, I have two daughters now They're one of them turned seven yesterday, the other one is four. And when they're playing, um, they play like we are Rosie. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, they play like i working know. at We Are Rosie, and I'm like, at least they know, you know, right. what I'm doing and why, and they'll explain why. Like this is to create more opportunity for people who are overlooked and underestimated. So um, there is, you know, it's a different, um, a different lifestyle. Certainly, of a, having a mother who's an entrepreneur, but I, I think we're doing all right.
0: Yeah, no, what a, what a great role model for, th- for them to even just know that's uh, an, an option. I mean, that's sort of what I think about with my kids is like. I like them to know that I'm an entrepreneur and a, and a CEO, and um, so that they know it's an option. Obviously, neither of us are going to push them in that direction, but um, I think that's important. I think that for them to see you can create something um, and to sort of be around it. Yes, totally. Well, thank you so much. As I said, um, you know, you've been quite an inspiration. Um, I've enjoyed watching your journey. Um, I'm not surprised, um, but um, I love how you have made your company a purposeful business um, and a business that's a force for good in the world. That's a, that's a big focus of mine. Um, I'm a believer that, um, businesses sort of companies are, um, the last great hope to make change in this world. Um, you've got, um, if, you know, politics and government, nobody believes in it and everybody's on one side or the other. Um, you, nonprofits are underfunded and, and there's just so much diversity or divisiveness rather, but with businesses, the business gets behind an issue, you can really push something. And so I've watched you do this and I've really, um, I've been inspired and it's helping me rethink how I run my company. So thank you for I that. It.
1: I mean, truly likewise, Jeff, I'm, I'm so grateful to have you as a friend and someone that I can look to and call when I have a, a business advice freak out moment. So thank you. <laughs> thank
0: you. Well, well, we'll, we'll keep supporting each other. Thanks so much for doing this.
1: Thanks, Jeff.
0: Wow, you made it to the end of the podcast. I didn't really know people did that anymore. Since you're still here, I'd love for you to subscribe so you can get updated when I post my next podcast. And you can always check out everything I'm up to at my blog, jeffhillemeyer.com. Thanks for listening.